0: with a camera, starring Charles
1: Bronson. Hello everyone, welcome to the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson podcast. I'm your host, Scott White, and what are we looking at this time? We are looking at an episode of Man with a Camera. That was a TV show that starred Charles Bronson that ran from 1958 to 1960. Two seasons, 29 episodes. And we're going to look at the specific episode, Girl in the Dark. Now, before we begin, a little background on the show. This was the only television show that had Charles Bronson as a lead. It was his only recurring TV role in his entire history of acting, which I think is pretty interesting. He played a character called Mike... Kovac and he was a combat photographer in the Korean War he came home and his expertise was getting pictures that were hard to get that other photographers couldn't get and he worked with the police and insurance investigators and he also was a private detective I think this is a novel concept because in the 50s, and before that, on radio, you had a lot of hard-boiled detective shows where they solved their problems with a gun. Well, in this show, Charles Bronson doesn't carry a gun, he carries a camera. And I thought that was a novel idea. I, really, that, I think that's what made this show stand out made it a little different than other the, the film noir detective shows at the time. So now that brings us to our episode a Girl in the Dark. It aired December 14th, 1960, which was one day before my birthday, the December 14th part, not the 1960 part. I'm not that old. but it opens on we see this opening shot. it's a children's shelter. It's actually an adoption agency but they called it a children's shelter. And there's a man going through the files, and he's taking pictures with those little spy cameras, which were really big in the 50s. Click, 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 click. Taking a bunch of pictures. He's interrupted by the janitor, and the janitor walks into the room, and the guy going through the files immediately pistol whips him, and bam, he hits the floor like a sack of bricks. The man goes back to the files. He takes a few more pictures. He wipes down all his fingerprints. He sees the janitor on the floor. They don't want them investigating what happened too hard. So he goes through the desk. And this is a really unintentionally funny part of the episode. He opens a couple of drawers. And in one drawer, there is a box labeled Petty Cash. Like it's a spoof. It was written in big white letters on this box. It, it couldn't have been more obvious. Evidently, the audience wouldn't have been able to put it together that this might be a cash box. So he pops it open, and he puts the money in the pocket, and he leaves. And then we get the opening credits. Man with a Camera, starring Charles Bronson. I'm not a television expert, for the but for the most part, I think a lot of TV shows started with the opening credits and then went right into the into the show. Now it's more normal nowadays, but I think back then it was a bit of a novelty to start the show, then have the credits. And then we cut to a man talking on the phone, very businesslike, and this guy is Big Barney O'Neill, and he's got Charles Bronson in his office. He's telling Charles Bronson that he received a letter from a private detective. There's a picture of his adopted daughter in the letter. And the thing is, what's happening now is he's afraid he's getting shaken down. The letter contained information about his adopted daughter that nobody else should have known. Big Barney is afraid it's a shake-up. And he's afraid it's going to ruin his daughter's life. His wife has passed away, and his daughter is 16. He has spoiled his daughter rotten. And he doesn't want anything to get in the way of her life. He, it's like, this is really 1950s. Listen to here, it's like he's got his daughter's life planned out for her.
0: Well, if you're right, you definitely ought to call in the police. No, you're wrong. I'll tell you why. My little girl's life is all planned. She's going to have the darndest coming out party this town has ever seen. Then she's going to get engaged. Then she's going to get married to a nice boy from a fine family at a hotel I now own, where 30 years ago I dug ditches for the foundation. Mr. O'Neill, the more you tell me, the more important I think it is that you call in the police. Police mean headlines, Mike. They'll smear this
1: and spoil it. I'm not going to have it spoiled. In all these television shows, When you deal with rich people, they always feel they have enough money to just make the problem go away. We're not going to deal with the police. Make it go away. And Charles Bronson's like, I have a friend in the police department. He can help us out. He'll keep things low-key. Nope. I want you to do it, Mike. The word on the street is you're the guy for the job. So Charles Bronson has a reputation of a guy that can do things that the police and other detectives can't with his camera. Charles Bronson decides, all right, I'll take the case. And now he goes to the shelter, and he's talking to the woman in charge of the shelter, a Mrs. Carrington. When he first meets her, she's very uppity. Well, I don't know what you're doing here, Mr. Kovac. Nothing has been disturbed here. And then Charles Bronson produces the letter that was sent to Big Barney with the picture. Well, the only other picture is in those files in her office. So she immediately rushes to the files and realizes that somebody has been in her files. And Charles Bronson is like, we got to call the police. And she's like, no. So nobody in this episode wants to get the police involved in this investigation. She says, you know, these files are just full of people who have adopted children. If it gets out. That, we, you know, we had a break-in. It's going to ruin a lot of people's lives. Can we please try to, you know, can we please try to handle this as quietly as possible, Mr. Kovac? And once again, Charles Bronson says, I've got a friend down at the police station. He can help us. Keep it on the DL. Nope. I want you to do it, Mike. And he does. While they're talking, Mrs. Carrington said there was a break-in about three months ago. But they only took $28 in cash. Now they put two and two together. Well, obviously the cash was a cover-up for the files. And I just can't... Maybe this is living in 2021. This was about 60 years ago this came out. Maybe people were a little more naive. But I would have given the office a little maybe once over to see if anything else was... Out of place. But they didn't do that. So three months went by. So these people who are planning these scams had three months to prepare. Because nobody reported anything but the missing $28. Now Charles Bronson is back in the, in the office of Big Barney. Big Barney wants to rip this guy's ha- head off. The guy coming to him is... A guy called Robert J. Willings. He's the one, he's the head guy behind this big scam. And he's coming to meet with Big Barney. And Big Barney just wants to rip his head off. And Charles Bronson's like, no, you got to do it my way. There's more than one person involved. It's not just your daughter. A bunch of files were messed with. So they plan on messing with a bunch of people's lives. And we've got to take these people down. And Big Barney gives in. He's like, "Okay, tell me what I need to do. I'll listen to you." The next scene is—it's once again a little bit unintentionally hilarious. But this private eye, this Robert Willings, is now in Big Barney's office, and Big Barney's getting a massage by Charles Bronson. So he's rubbing him down, rub-a-dub-dub. Willings is like, "I thought we could talk in private." Big Barney's like, "Don't worry. This guy's from the old country. He doesn't speak English." And Charles Bronson just doesn't even make eye contact with anybody. He's just concentrating on oiling this guy down and rubbing him and getting all those knots out. Didn't look like a very good massage, I'll tell you the truth. Wasn't a very deep tissue massage. It just looked like he was just rubbing his back. I would have been a little suspicious. And once again, that'll come up in a little bit too. Well, O'Neill says that the woman who originally gave up the girl who's now his adopted daughter originally gave her up well this is what he says
0: and let's just say that all she wants now is to look at her just to look at her now surely that's not asking too much no it isn't but after that then what why nothing she returns to the shadows from which she came just like that just like that Oh, surely you can find the kindness in your heart to grant this poor woman this simple wish? Would you believe that she spent close to twenty thousand dollars of a hard-earned money finding her? But it would be worth it. For her. And for you. Oh, I don't matter in this. I, I'm just an instrument. You play a pretty expensive tune. We ask for nothing. Material, that is. We realize that as a natural mother she has no legal claim whatsoever. The answer is no. Of course. You're quite within your rights to say no. To her, to me, to anyone. You mustn't spoil the plans you have for pretty little
1: Terry. Of course, Big Barney doesn't buy it. He thinks there's something else. And while Charles Bronson is rubbing down, he walks into the other room, and he grabs his camera, and he snaps a picture of this guy, this, uh, what the hell is his name? I can't remember. Willings. He snapped. and it's just a very It's like there's no subtlety to this. He's not being you know, he's not being sneaky at all. He just takes his camera and click, you hear this giant click. There's I don't how that guy didn't know his picture is being taken. I have no idea. But Charles Bronson comes back in the room and now the guy brings in the supposed real mother, and I'm making air quotes, which I don't know why, because this is a podcast. But he brings in his real mother, and she's just disheveled. She's Her hair is just, you know, she's, it looks like she's got bruises on her face. You know, Big Barney's like, this is, who's this drunk? This You're telling me this is the mother of my daughter? And they just keep saying, you know, maybe, you know, if you don't let her meet her in private, she just may show up at a school. We know where your daughter goes to school. She just may show up at a school. What they're hinting at is that this woman will embarrass and get in the way of his daughter's life. Now, it's said before in this episode that there is no legal right for the mother to see the daughter or to get the daughter back. All the adoption was done above board. I've seen episodes of television shows where they sort of go sneakily to adopt a baby and that causes problems but this is all on the up and up this episode is mainly to keep a drunken mother away from her daughter that she gave up for adoption so she won't embarrass her and so she won't get in the way of her life and it just seems like the girl is 16 in this in this episode it just seems like they're past this i i, I don't see what the extortion is I don't see how it would work other than just to alleviate embarrassment in their life. Maybe this is more important. Maybe to rich people being embarrassed. Once again, this is the late 50s, early 60s. A scandal was a bigger thing back then. But that's the whole thing. Just I don't want this woman who used to be my daughter's mother just to, to ruin her life somehow. Big Barney tells them both to get out. And they leave. And he talks to Charles Bronson. And Charles Bronson also took a picture of the mother when she was in the room. And the uh, detective and the mother leave. And then we meet the guy from the beginning of the show who was going through the files. And he works for the detective. And he's like, there was a masseuse or masseur, one of the two, in the room. I don't buy that. He was giving him a massage. Follow him. And Charles Bronson... The next scene, we break for a commercial. Commercial break. We break for a commercial, and we see Charles Bronson pulling up in front of his apartment and walking in, and he notices that he's being followed. The thing is, old cars, and I know at least in the 30s and 40s and 50s, and I think maybe until the 70s, is the registration, the owner's name, was written on the steering wheel in the car, underneath the steering wheel and I've seen this in many, many movies and many television shows at that time. All they had to do, a person had to do, was to look into the car and they know who owned the car, they had their name, they had a bunch of information on him. It's not like that nowadays, but yes, uh, back in the 50s, if you left your car door open, somebody could just peek in and get all the information about you from your car registration. Well, the guy gets the information, finds Mike's name, on the registration walks up to the building finds his name on the mailbox and starts to walk in and Charles Bronson who noticed him gets a drop on him and is about to punch him but he looks down and the guy's got a gun in his stomach so Charles Bronson who took this guy by surprise had a, was able this guy was able to pull a gun on him so not it's not the Charles Bronson we know at this point uh, yeah this Charles Bronson had the drop on the guy and boom The guy grabs his camera case and he takes off and he runs and he leaves Charles Bronson. And I don't understand that at this moment. I mean, I don't know what he could have done. But now Charles Bronson, if Charles Bronson didn't know something was up, he knows something is up now. Now Charles Bronson, he calls his friend from the police station. The guy that's going to take it, you know, keep everything on the DL. And it's Lieutenant Donovan. And while Lieutenant Donovan is at Charles Bronson's apartment, the woman from the adoption agency calls and says that they're doing it again. Another man called her and said that this detective wants to schedule an appointment and talk about his adopted daughter. So they're hitting more than one person. They're hitting a bunch of people. And Charles Bronson is like, let me get a picture of the woman that he brings because if it was the same woman, the same woman couldn't have possibly been both mothers to both these children. If we can identify the woman from the first scam with the woman in the second scam, boom, we got him. And Lieutenant Donovan's like, no, we're not doing it that way. I'm going to go arrest him now. And then while this is happening, there's a knock on the door and it's Big Barney's daughter And Big Barney's daughter was listening to the whole thing when Charles Bronson was in the room giving his dad a massage. That must have been an awkward situation. She's in a room listening to her dad being extorted for money while Charles Bronson is rubbing him down. I think that might have been a dream I had one time. Anyway. (laughs) But she comes in and she's like, well, my dad's going to pay $20,000 to make these people go away so they don't interfere with my life. And once again, I don't really see what they can do. Anyway, he feels it's worth $20,000 to get them out of their life. And Charles Bronson's like, great, when he gives them the money, we can nail him for extortion. And she's like, no, uh, they're going to give them stocks. So what a, a scam, and I believe this was what would happen, is A person would buy up tons of worthless stock. And then when they would extort somebody, they would sell them the stock at exorbitant prices. They would buy a stock for $1 a share. it would sell them to a person for $100 a share, just as an example. And that made the extortion all perfectly legal. There was a paper trail of all that was going on. So they couldn't bust them for extortion. Even though it was shady, it was also legal. That's what the extortionist is doing, getting money through fake stock. And Donovan's like, I'm going to arrest them now. And Charles Bronson's like, no, if we can get them, we can. We can. And it's just like, it seems like they would have, I, I, they they Charles Bronson feels if they bust them right now, there's not enough evidence and they're going to walk. Even though that they may protect this one family, Big Barney's family, there'll be other families down the line that will be affected by them. And he wants to get the whole kit and caboodle. And I can respect that, okay? He's working for a client. He can actually get his client out of trouble ASAP, but he wants to tie it up in a neat bow so they can't extort money from anybody else. And the uh, Donovan finally gives it, and he's like, okay, two days. I'm going to give you two days to, to figure this out. And Charles Bronson's like, great. Now, Charles Bronson, since he got the phone call from the woman who ran the orphanage, knows the other person, that the other man who's getting extorted, and he goes to his place of business, and he sees the detective get out with a woman, and he takes her picture, which is what he wanted to do. So now he's going to be able to compare the woman from the first extortion to the woman to the second extortion. If he can match them up, boom, case closed. And he takes a picture. And I was just wondering throughout this whole thing, I was like, you know what, there's no voiceover. And that was in a lot of police detective or, like, crime shows in the 50s and 60s. There was voiceover. I'm like, there was no voiceover. Then all of a sudden, there's a voiceover. Charles Bronson's like, I was able to take a picture of the other woman and compare. And when I found out what happened, I was a bit surprised. And he finds out, once he has both pictures blown up, it's not the same woman. So they can't bust him for extortion, because if it is a different woman, she might legitimately be the mother of the baby. They can't prove fraud that way. And Donovan's like, I knew I shouldn't have given you that time. You you screwed it up, and... Now they'll be able to, you know, slip through my fingers. And then all of a sudden, sudden? Nah, wow, I was doing Charles Bronson, and I wasn't even expecting to. Now, all of a sudden, Charles Bronson makes a revelation. Well, wait a minute.
0: I must be blind. Donovan, take a look at this. You see anything? A larger version of what I saw before. No, no, here, here, here it's the same woman she changed everything the hair the makeup the clothes but not the earrings
1: that's right the earrings the earrings are the same because no woman in the world would own a same pair of earrings as another woman now I this is kind of clever but it's like you can clearly see that the faces even though she dyed her hair or put a wig on When you see the pictures, they're clearly the same woman. I don't know why they're having so much trouble piecing it together. And the eureka moment is the earrings. But that was the eureka moment. So they go to the office of the man that they're extorting. Another $20,000. And before the guy can pay, they're like, you're busted. And Charles Bronson and, and Donovan walk in. I thought this was going to be the end of the episode. It was really kind of anti-climax. And he's like, okay, we found out that you're running a scam. Come with us. And they walk him out of the building, and the guy getting extorted is just like, what? What's going on? He didn't even know that people were working on this. He was, he's, he's just, so one moment he's being extorted for money, and the next moment these people are getting arrested, I'm sure he's quite confused right here. But that, we, we never see the resolution of that. These people are just escorted out of his office. And a police officer arrests the other guy who was going through the files, his henchman. They arrest him. And Charles Bronson's like, look, lady, if you tell us what happened, we'll go easy on you. And she's like, I'll tell you whatever you want. Just, you know, cut me a break. And at that point, the detective, whose freaking name I can't remember, Robert Willings, makes a break for it and he runs and uh he runs through this the guy's office was in power plant so he's running through he's running through this uh you know this yard where there's just a bunch of you know a bunch of equipment and boxes there and now for the most part Charles Bronson, at the beginning of this chase, Charles Bronson is doing his own stunts and doing them quite well because Charles Bronson is in fit, fit shape. There's a an obvious cut where uh, the stuntman takes over and it's kind of a... Because in these episodes, Charles Bronson has a short, crew-cut hair. You can see the stuntman, even from a distance, you can see the stuntman is clearly wearing a wig or a toupee or whatever because it just... It, the haircut on this guy just doesn't look real. So it's really obvious where Charles Bronson stopped doing his own stunts and the guy started doing his stunts. I'm like, okay, so this, it's not going to be that anticlimactic, but it's actually real. It's kind of anticlimactic because Charles Bronson just chases him around, chases him to a fence, and the cop is immediately there. It's like, how did he get there? The cop was right behind him. And they went up buildings and over scaffolding, and the cop is right there. Did he teleport there? Is he like the father of Jason Voorhees? I'm here now. I don't know how I got here. And Charles Bronson's like, I wish you would have only given, you know, I wish you would have given me five more minutes, because he was just going to plant, bam, knock this guy out. And the Lieutenant Donovan takes him away, and we go right to credits. This isn't one of those uh, the, the television shows of the 50s, 60s, especially TV dramas. There was no add-on where everybody's back at the office and they have a little joke. Like at the end of Star Trek where they all end up on the bridge. The guy gets led away. We go right to the end of the credits. And that was the episode Girl in the Dark. A man with a camera starring Charles Bronson. And what did I think of the episode? For an episode that didn't really have a lot of action in it, and I would say it had absolutely no action in it, I was thoroughly entertained. Even though I thought the plot was kind of weak, I've always heard that Charles Bronson can't act, and I believe if you watch these episodes, it it shows that he can act. I was happy with the characters. I was happy with the acting. A lot of stuff happened, even though this, uh, what is this, you know, 25 minutes with commercials back then? It, it flowed. We had, we went to a lot of locations in this time. Kids nowadays... Oh, wow. I can't believe I said that. Kids nowadays are probably not going to like this because it's probably not going to keep their attention. But if you just want a, a nice, tight show with a lot of good acting and... Just great performances. Yes, check out this episode. Check out all the episodes of Man with a Camera. They're all on YouTube right now. They're all free to watch. I may do an episode on another episode later. Uh, I just picked this one at random. And it just happened to fall within a day of my birthday. So, yeah, it's just a fun glance back at how the 50s were. And that's it. This has been another episode of the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson Podcast. I appreciate everybody listening, and we'll see you here next time.
0: To support this podcast, please go to wwwpatreoncom slash and give what you're able. If you're listening on iTunes, please give a review. This should help people find the podcast when they're searching. Uh, no matter what services you use to listen, please leave feedback. We always want to improve. Thank you for listening to the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson Podcast. Let's go on, Mike. You know, Lieutenant, I wish you'd give me about five minutes more. It's been a Cross the Streams Media Podcast.